Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, what's going on, listeners? This is Tyler Dunn of the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking this episode, which is going to be a little different. I just thought we would share uh, an episode from our exclusive podcast over at golongtd.com. This is just for subscribers uh, to our website, the Ty and Bob pod. So this is with Bob McGinn, the longtime NFL slash Green Bay Packers writer, worked together at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for a number of years, and he's covered the team since 1979. So he's in the Hall of Fame, has just some incredible content, over at Go Long. Hopefully, if you subscribe, you get a chance to check out his series on the rise of Brett Favre this week. Um, it's it's incredible. He talked to Brett Favre for over an hour, talked to scouts around the league, personnel men around the league, Ron Wolf, just kind of uh, finding the roots for how this all began for one of the best, most storied careers for any player in the history of the game. Uh, that's just for subscribers. So Check that out. And uh, yeah, our podcast, it's very Packers centric, obviously, and and includes his rating the Packers weekly report that he's done for years and years at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Green Bay Press Gazette, The Athletic, BobMcGinnFootball.com. He's, he's been doing this uh, for decades, really, and he's bringing it to the podcast format at Go Long. So if you like the Packers, heck, if you like football in general and want to get into the nitty gritty um, out of a game, th- this is for you. So uh, here is our latest episode. Thank you so much, everyone. appreciate your support i mean these are subscribers that are listening to us bob so um i wasn't really sure you know how many people would sign up just to get this podcast it's exclusive to the subscribers and we are absolutely blown away by the numbers a few weeks into this so right at the top just thank you thank you everybody out there for making this part of your lives we know 
you've got choices. There's a zillion podcasts out there. So we're going to try to be different. We're going to try to make this fun, try to make it worth your time. Right, Bob? Yep. This is the hardcore we're speaking to, right, Tyler? I'm all for the hardcore. <laughs> That's right. We don't want any fair weather fans in here. No, oh. get, get your ass out of here. Ah, sorry. <laughs> I told myself I would swear, Bob. A listener Uh-oh. emailed me and Bing. I appreciate it. A listener emailed me and I, I swear too much. It's, uh, it's a bad habit. So we got, we got it out of the way. Got it out of the system, right? It's like uh, <laughs> Brett Favre early in the game. Get, get that interception out of the system, that throw into the 14th row. <laughs> We're good to go now. We're good. <laughs> And that's what you call a segue, Bob. Tell us about Brett Favre. I am beyond pumped for this series to drop Wednesday morning. The first McGinn Files. You talked to Brett Favre himself for over an hour. Um, I, I mean, it's it, it was thrilling just to read it. You know, from from this perspective, I, I can't imagine what what our subscribers, what our fans are going to think. Yeah, I hope so. We just. Uh... You know, the name of your website is Go Long, right, Tyler? That's right. So in, in this instance, I went long. <laughs> so long, in fact, we had to break the first McGinn files for you into two parts. Part one, the pre-draft, up, in, up to and including draft day, 1991. Part two is his participation with four teams, the Falcons, the Green Bay Packers, the Jets, and the Minnesota Vikings. So that's going to be this week, right, T? The rise of Brett Favre, exclusive to the subscribers that go along. Yes, it's uh, – and you know what's really cool about this, Bob, is, you know, legends like Favre. You know, I, I sat down with him there in Mississippi for that story at uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And since then, he's been on Sirius. He's done a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of documentaries. His Hall of Fame speech – I mean, it was unbelievable. No Hall of Fame speech will ever touch that one. But I feel like we've heard so many Favre stories. There's so many that have been shot into the ether. Like, you know, the one about him not knowing what a nickel defense is. He told me that. He's told that a handful of times. But reading this series, like, there are stories in here he's never told before. I mean, I, to my knowledge, I, you know, I've been following Favre since I was in second grade. I've never heard a lot of the stuff that's in these 10,000 words. So... Um, like you said, these fans are hardcore that are listening, uh, whether they're Packer fans, whether they're just hardcore football fans, um, subscribing to our site, like they're, they're really going to enjoy hearing stuff they haven't heard before. I don't, I don't want to give too much away because, you know, you know, Tyler, um, because of uh, good health and good fortune, you know, I saw every pass he ever threw in Green Bay for those 16 years. And I think he always appreciated the guys who uh, the guys on the beat who were there for a long time. And so we just had a really good chat. You know, it had been quite a few years since we talked. And uh, he just went on and on and on in his inimitable style. I remember when I went down there in 2014, your, your piece of advice was, like, he's going to tell stories. And it's good. they're going to meander all over the place. You got to kind of jump in occasionally, right? And kind of <laughs> steer things. And so, But you were right on, like, because he... I remember going down there thinking it might be a half hour that, that he talked. And we ended up talking for over three hours just on his back deck because I, there's no storyteller like him. Like I always tell this, like he first asked, and this is just Brett Favre. He's like, where are you from? 
said, oh, Buffalo, New York. And he jumps into a story about like hanging out with Jim Kelly and loving the area. And he goes, oh, where'd you go to college? I said, Syracuse University. He goes, oh, me and my friend Rosno, I think that was his name. We used to hunt wild boar up there and they'd stand out like cows in the snow. Of course, he's got a story about hunting hunting uh, in, in Syracuse wild boar, whatever the heck it was. I mean, it was so something out there, but uh, <laughs> that's him though. Like it's not, you know, he's not making it about himself out of the jump. Like it's, he wants to know about you and your life and somebody of his stature that is unbelievably rare. Like you don't, you do not get that. It's, it's, you know, guys like that is their inconvenience. They want to get in, get out, talk about them. Like, no, it, it was the exact opposite with Brett Favre and, I'm sure when you were talking to him uh, for this, it was the exact same thing. He's probably asking about you, your family, what's changed over the years, all that. <laughs> I One of a kind, unique. Awesome. How's life? Any banter that you need to get off your chest before we uh, talk NFL? No, I don't think so, Tyler. That's uh, good. No, let's roll. All right, before we jump into Green Bay, San Francisco, and what a game that was, um, man, there's a lot to get into there. That was that was a thriller. Uh, as we did last week, just elsewhere in the NFL, was there a game you watched, a player that stood out, something you want to touch upon? Uh, I watched quite a bit of the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game. Joe Burrow is playing well. Now the Steelers are decimated. Watt didn't play. Their secondary is a mess. Everything's a mess in Pittsburgh. You know, the offensive line, wide receivers. Um, the Bengals are getting pretty good. Their defense looked has much improved with Hendrickson, the pass rusher from New Orleans, and Sam Hubbard's become, become a pretty good player. Their secondary's really improved. And, um, boy, this Burrow and Jamar Chase combination – very impressive. And even their offensive line was okay in this game. I don't know how long that can last, but they got a good running back in Nixon. Um, you know, Green Bay hosts Pittsburgh this Sunday, and then they're at Cincinnati the following Sunday. I don't know which of those two games is going to be harder at this point. I really don't. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty good to see the Bengals back to being competitive again. That is really interesting and kind of makes me want to drive to Cincinnati at some point this year and get inside that rebuild, you know, because this is, this is a team that's just been bad for so long, but they get a stud in Joe Burrow. They've got that choice between Jamar Chase, Penesul. They go with the receiver who played with Burrow in college. They've got some talent. I like some of the guys they signed on defense. You know, Mike Hilton was a player in Pittsburgh. Um, he'll throw his body around Trey Hendrickson, right? Like on the D line is a good player. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you can always fall victim to one game and, and jumping on a, a storyline too soon, but uh, they found the quarterback and he's only going to get better. The more he's removed from that ACL surgery, that might not be a, a walk in the park park for green Bay. I think a few weeks ago, we thought that, you know, Pittsburgh was going to be, you know, that, that team that give green Bay all they can handle. Maybe they still do, but they're, they're a mess. Cincinnati, they, they might be the, they might be more of a threat than the Steelers, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, it stood out to me, Bob, that chiefs chargers game, man, that was a great game. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm not really breaking news here, but Justin Herbert is a star. The chargers aren't the old chargers of old. I just love how Brandon Staley put it. Like you need to be aggressive against the chiefs. 
You can't kick field goals. You can't punt. I mean, they were throwing late even after they get this DPI penalty on Kansas city. Um, was that on, on third down to keep the drive alive? It's, it's tied. They're in field goal range. They easily could have tried to kind of melt the clock, work the clock, get it down, set up a field goal. But that's what the Chargers of old do, right? They, 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 they set up that field goal and then something crazy happens. It's blocked. The wind throws it in a certain direction. They just, they botch it one way or another. So they kept their pedal to the metal. Um, they kept throwing Justin Herbert to Mike Williams twice in a row. They scored a touchdown. They forced the Chiefs to go the length of the field and a Hail Mary falls short, which topic for another day but the chargers did basically tackle like kelsey and tyree kill on that hail mary and you know the officials just kind of swallow their whistle at that point i'm glad they do you know nobody wants those kind of penalties at the end of games but i I just love the chargers just going for the jugular because it drove me nuts in the playoffs last year seeing how the browns and the bills approached it i mean kevin stefanski sean mcdermott two of the better coaches in the nfl and Stefanski, I, I get it. You know, Patrick Mahomes isn't on the field at that point. He was hurt. But you still have Andy Reid. You still have Tyree Kill. You still have all those weapons. And they kind of punted their season away with four minutes left. They never saw the ball again. McDermott was even worse. Two chip shot field goals. Um, they tightened it to 21-12 right before, below the half. It was just idiotic to try to keep it close against the Chiefs because they're just going to make it pay. They're going to go on a run. Um, Staley called him the, the, the Golden State Warriors. So j- just more than anything else on his resume as a coach, I don't care where he's been, what he's done. The fact that he wants to be aggressive and he's got the quarterback and they've got weapons, the Chargers could absolutely win the AF- AFC West and they, they could get to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm sold on them. Tyler, um, who would you rather have? Mr. Josh Allen? Mr. Justin, Justin Herbert, or Mr. Joe Burrow? All things being equal for your, your team that you're general managing. Thinking of those uh, locals that are subscribing and listening. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to hear it from them. Uh, honestly, I think I would take Herbert, and that's a great question. Hmm. And Allen was phenomenal. I mean, he looked like... 2020 Allen against Washington. Um, now Washington's got that great D line, but their secondary is a mess and he, and he made him pay. I mean, he was incredible, but I, I kind of, I think, I think Herbert is just almost like the, the quintessential perfect modern day quarterback. I mean, he's accurate as hell. He's athletic enough. He's, he's got a gun. He's got touch. He hits the deep ball. Allen's deep ball is that it's kind of even even last year was kind of iffy. I don't know. I think it's really close, but I would take Herbert. I mean, I love Burrow too, uh, but Herbert's that good. I feel like he just doesn't flinch in pressure. Yeah. That's what we have to see with with Allen. You know, he's uh, they they blown teams out. I mean, they blew a ton of teams out last year, but it wasn't that great in the playoffs. Not that Herbert's been in the playoffs. He's only been in the league one year. I just feel like deep into a fourth quarter. Herbert has a sense of calm about him that might give him an edge over, over Allen. Um, would you, but would hey, you, you can't go wrong with any three of them. Would you take those three guys over Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I would. I would Okay, like Baker a lot, but I mean, you tell me, Bob, I feel like 
you know, that system that Stefanski runs too has a lot to do with his success. And maybe that's why they didn't want to pay him that Josh Allen money quite yet. All right. Would you take those three players over Mr. Jordan Love? Well, we won't go that far, Bob. We're not, <laughs> this, we're not, it's, it's only 944 AM. I'm not drinking any Bloody Marys over here. This coffee isn't spiked with any Bailey's. Gotcha. You know, we're, we're taking Jordan Love over anybody. This is a, right. this is a Jordan Love friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he better be good <laughs> no, I'm just i do like him I, I like him a lot it's just i just get a kick out of like i mean the guy gets absolutely trashed at every turn and it's like nobody even really saw him eat yeah well don't need to go down that detour but I, I feel like you saw enough this last preseason game to give you hope for 2022 to, to give you that belief that he, he could be the guy to be blown away by a trade offer and maybe take that trade offer. Um, and we're going to get into it with this Packers 49ers game. And maybe we should just jump right into it, but like this, I get th- this is why Brian Gutekinds, Matt LaFleur, Mark Murphy were okay with those six months of kind of getting flogged in the court of public opinion. Right. Um, you've got the, the quarterback and I, I know he talked about, you know, less is more not saying anything in the public and he, he didn't talk a lot, but I highly doubt that those anonymous sources are coming from the Packers side of things. Are they trying to sabotage themselves? Doubtful. Um, he, he wanted to punish them. I don't think it's a coincidence draft day that that bombshell just drops like, yeah, you, you screwed up my draft day. I'm going to screw up yours. But I think that like, and I, I ripped the Packers for this as well to constantly be begging and pleading for him to return when he doesn't want to be there when he's punishing you. But this is kind of why they did that because you have an MVP quarterback who just can turn it on like that with 30, 40 seconds left or whatever it was, two throws of Devonte Adams field goal range, Mason Crosby drills it Crosby. I mean, Holy cow, ice in the veins. Um, I still think long-term, getting four or five first four or five starters. I mean, they could name their price, especially before the draft is, it's the better move, but I do absolutely get the logic. We t- we've talked about it on here. Like it's hard to win a super bowl. Realistically, what five, six teams can win the super bowl this year. You're one of them. If you're green Bay, um, I, I get it. It's worth one more run. I mean, a game like this, uh, I'm, I'm sure the Packers is just, you could almost feel it watching them celebrate after that kick. Like it was just this huge release of emotions for all parties involved, management, coaches, players. They had to feel good. Like after everything, whew, a win like that makes everything kind of worth it with what they went through in the off season for, for one week. Anyways, it's a long season, but um, let's stop rambling. What was your uh, takeaway from that game, Bob? Well, let's start. I'll just give my the footballs and then we'll go by positions. Okay. T. Um, okay, the receivers got four and a half, O-line four and a half, QB four and a half, RBs four, D-line four and a half, linebackers three and a half, DBs got three, kickers got five, very, very, very rare, Tyler, five, special teams two and a half, overall four and a half. Uh, The Stars, Mason Crosby, number one, Yash Nijman, number two, Aaron Rodgers, number three. 
Devontae Adams is a tight four along with Kenny Clark and, uh, and a couple others. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur and the Packers, they generally really throughout Rogers career, they've blown out most of their opponents. I mean, these games, it was all kneel downs last year. I think they had kneel downs in, uh, they won one playoff game. I think 13 of their 14 or 12 of their 14 victories. They had two or three kneel downs at the end. They just don't play close games, but they played a close game here and, you know, 37 seconds left, no timeouts, need a field goal. Got to get 39 yards. That's tough. And they get, they made it happen. San Francisco scored too soon. They snapped the ball with uh, 12 seconds left on that play clock on the touchdown. They had, I mean, they weren't going for the end zone, throwing to 44, the fullback used it, but he got in there couple missed tackles. He got in there. Uh, they could have knocked off a couple more seconds had they squid that kick and made Green Bay return it. Mm-hmm. So rather than 37, it would have been 32. But they took their chances, and Aaron Rodgers beat him along with Devontae Adams. So that's the intro, T. The disparity at quarterback on full display. Um, maybe people had a different takeaway than I did. I'm looking forward to hear what you have to think about Jimmy Garoppolo, but I mean, that t- turn into a side was whatever it was, five minutes left, the drive before and chucking it into the ground like a clear fumble. And he didn't seem to really understand what he did even after the fact and said it was like an unfortunate call by the officials. Like just, you know, ridiculous play where he's kind of turtling. I think that's the best way to describe Jimmy Garoppolo in the pocket. He just turtles. Like the Packers had, what, 11 quarterback hits. They got pressure. Good for them. I feel like Garoppolo just is so immobile he can't evade anybody like that's such a disadvantage in today's game. If you've got a quarterback that can't move. So that, that drive, it seemed like that was it. Right. Right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they're going to go for the kill shot after that. They, they sidestep that kill shot. They force Green Bay to kick the field goal. They go up six and yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo takes them right down, but I don't know, like with George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Kyle Juszczyk, like those seemed like, and I'm a quarterback's guy. I'm going to always pump up the quarterback. I think that those guys really lifted him up in those moments too. give Jimmy credit, but they made three incredible plays to get San Francisco down there. And then just inexplicable 12 seconds left on the, on the play clock. And you snap it when you've got all three timeouts, green Bay has no timeouts. Right. Um, Kyle Shanahan's a really smart guy. I mean, maybe, maybe he wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo's ear telling him, like, don't snap it too early. Um, if he wasn't, it's on him. But I, I would think that he, he'd be on top of that situation. But, I mean, those two mistakes, the 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 fumble, the weird spike, lateral, whatever the hell that was, fumble, and the play clock, um, the, that's the kind of stuff that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't do. Like, you know, say what you, he, he isn't going to make those kind of mistakes, and he's going to pounce exactly like he did. Fred Warner doesn't drop enough on that one play. You're going to get into the nitty-gritty, but – to me, that's the takeaway. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take you so far. It's maddening because he's very good. Like he'll win you games. Um, but, you know, there's a reason he over, overshot Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. And if if he's the quarterback, it's just not going to end the way San Francisco wants it to, despite the roster they have. Jimmy was handicapped, you know. He had no run game here in this one. He was down to his fifth running back. You go from Mostert to Wilson to Mitchell, 
too hasty. And now you got Sermon, who obviously isn't ready to play from, from the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no run game. And uh, so then that exposes Jimmy, just his failings. I like him more than you do. I don't, I'm not saying he's a top 10 guy because he's not, but I, he's been to a Super Bowl. This would have been such an inspiring performance. You know, he went 75 and eight at the end and 202 to take the lead there. Would have been a marvelous comeback. And um, yeah, the clock mismanagement and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams beat him. You know, let's not just say Rodgers. I mean, Adams made two plays, you know. Uh, okay, so let's go to the wide receivers, okay? Um, I can't believe they weren't covering Rodgers or covering Adams at the end. Are you kidding me, Tyler? Mm. Just put two guys on him, right? MVS is out with a hamstring injury. Uh, who you got? You got Lazard and you got Tunyon running around. Just just get after Adams, yeah. <laughs> period. Bump him and bracket him. Okay, but that's D'Amico Ryan's, their new D coordinator, and um, Robert Sala was missed. All right, wide receiver, 63 snaps on offense. So you got Devontae Adams playing 56. Uh, misses the one or two plays after getting nailed by, uh, by Ward. Um, Alan Lazard, 42. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 40. Cobb, 21. Amari Rogers, 2. And Taylor had 2. So, Devontae Adams, 18 targets, Tyler, against the secondary that was almost like a JV team, you know? They, I mean, they, they had lost Jason Verrett, the starting corner with a torn ACL in week one. K1 Williams won out after six snaps. He's really a good veteran nickelback. He didn't play down the stretch. They lost Josh Norman with uh, lung damage in the second quarter. He went out. So, they're, I mean, they were really hurting. Uh, you're playing with DeCommodore, Lenore, the kid from Oregon, and Emmanuel Mosley's first game back. So Adams got after him. There's no question. Adams, Adams was brilliant. He, he had one drop in this game, but he is showing great hands uh, all over the place. Just great hands. He is um, uh, that reverse motion off that jet, uh, the jet motion for the one yard touchdown. Sweet. Uh, he shows that athletic arrogance, you know, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> you can't cover me and, just, you know, he loves being on the road when he can just stick it to those fans. The 49ers, I mean, they miss a guy like Richard Sherman who could hang with them, you know. But he's not there anymore. And these guys can't do it. Uh, the 49ers <clears throat> tried to punish him. Oh, man, you know. Fred Warner was trying to rip him and Al Jahir, the other backer. I mean, they were all just trying to rip him. Uh, but he danced and eluded. He did a great job after the catch. Kyle Shanahan uh, referred to both Adams and Aaron Jones for all the yards they gained after contact. Um, you know, he complained about not getting a PI on uh, Josh Norman. Two plays later, he gets one on Emmanuel um, Mosley for 32 yards. He's in the uh, he's in the mind of the officials. Also, he had a great great game. Uh, Valdez Scantling. I mean, I'm guessing he could miss a couple of weeks with his hamstring and he clears things out for Adams. Now let's be clear about that. He is a deep threat. You know, all about him, Tyler, and he's going to be very much missed. 
They put him over in the number three slot, the inside slot on a trip. He 47 yards against, I can't even look at my, um, I mean, he just, he just ran right by Tart, the safety, the safety yeah. was over, happened to be on him. Been in the NFL a while. Good player. Yeah. Um, again, he was number three on the 12 yard touchdown, left to right, the corner, left, right to left, the corner over there when uh, Lenore wasn't deep enough. And uh, then he left with 739, left with that hamstring. Alan Lazard made two really nice plays. I mean, crisp releases, outside release. He ran right by K1 Williams early for a big game. And then uh, he had a 25-yard PI against Lenore later. Um, he blocked uh, Nick Bowes on a three-yard touchdown. Very impressive. So Jones could score untouched. Uh they played uh, Taylor. They played Cobb a little bit, non-factors. Tight ends, you know, Robert Tunyon did probably spend as much time blocking as, uh, as he did running routes. He had 46 snaps, 13 from a three-point stance. Mercedes Lewis had 25 only this week, 14 from a three-point. And then uh, jo Josiah DeGora played some as well. Um, Tunyon, uh, he was there to help Yash Nyman against uh, Nick Boza, and he did a really good job. At times, there was once that 97 just plowed him right over, but then he came right back and knocked Boza down for, uh, on the next, next play or two. He also got a long PI on – I'm struggling writing, reading my writing here, Tyler. I really am. On 54 on uh, on Fred Warner, 24-yard PI. Lewis, boy, at, at times he did some really good blocking. Point of attack toss towards Lewis's side. The Packers and LaFleur allow Lewis to go man-on-man -man against Nick Boza at the point of attack on a toss right behind him. He took Boza about six yards downfield. And it was a nine-yard carry. Boza was totally out of the play. And Lewis got the last shove in, too. And Boza just raised his hands like, like okay, big fella, I got it. <laughs> he backed right off Mercedes Lewis. Who was he, 36 years old? It was a very impressive moment. It's like that old man strength, you know, like when you're uh, kind of wrestling around with your dad and you think, oh, I got, I got this guy. He just, just kind of ragdolls you, right? I Marcy guess. Wish I had some of that, but uh, you know, <laughs> you're more you're more of a a runner and a biker, and you've got the endurance. You're more endurance than strength. All right, T. Let's go to the old line, okay? So we got the top two left tackles down. We got Bakhtiari down and Elton Jenkins down, okay? So they had to make a decision. They could have moved Bobby uh, Turner over to the left, not Turner. What? Billy Turner. They mm -hmm. could have moved him from right to left, and then they could have started the veteran Dennis Kelly at right. I didn't know what they do. They could, or they leave Turner where he has been, and they start Yash Nijman at left tackle. They went with Nijman, and it worked. He got a lot of help, and rightly so, and smartly so. But Nijman acquitted himself really well. He's this, let's talk a little bit about Nijman. 
remember, I remember watching him in that 2019 exhibition tape. It was not good. Mm. Nijman is 6'7", 320. And I talked to him the night of the draft when he very disappointedly wasn't drafted, but then he signed with the Packers. He had offers from Baltimore, Seattle, and Washington. Tyler, what do you think his 40 time was that year? Six, seven, three, twenty. Oh my God. Five, four. Four, eight, one. This guy is an athletic freak. Um, his vertical jump, 30 and a half, broad jump, nine, six, were superb. That was by far the fastest 40 of any old lineman that year in the draft. Uh, he did 27 reps on the bench. His arms were 34 and an eighth. His hands were 10 and an eighth. His wonder look, he took it twice. He improved from 11 to 17 on the second. This guy, uh, born and raised in Suriname, Suriname. Um, it, it's quite a story. Um, his parents were from there, I'm sorry. His dad settled in New Jersey. His mom and dad, they're both employed by the New Jersey Transit Corporation. Uh, he went on an FCA mission to the Bahamas in 2016. And um, so he went to Maryland. He had all kinds of injury problems, uh, leg injuries, MCL injuries. This, is, this guy is interesting to talk about because it's a great get by Gutekunst and it's a great bunch of coaching by Stanovich and Butkus. Here's what a couple scouts said before that. One guy said, I'm shocked he didn't get drafted. He's just a raw ball of clay. Great free agent signing. Another guy said he's an athletic freak kind of a guy. We thought there was some development to him. We had him as draftable. Another guy said, he's got to be a guard. He's not going to be a tackle. His feet are too slow. Another guy said, big old guy. That's a good get. Just stiff, not real aware, not real nasty, very segmented in his movements. Not a great finisher, slow processor. And then the final scout I talked to said, the best thing about him is his size and 40 time. He's soft, top, heavy, and had an 807 three cone. That's not good. Okay, so that's Nijman from Maryland. And he played really good. He struggled early. He had problems early against uh, Boza, obviously. I mean, I picked Boza to have the most sacks in the league this year. But Nijman is a specimen, and you could see that in tape this year. He was vastly improved this year in the exhibition season. Um, it, it, he looked like a player, and but he just has no experience. He handled some wide – he got beat on an inside charge by Boza. Boza, Tyler, finished with one hit, two hurries, one batted ball, four tackles, one of them for loss. Now, that wasn't all against Nijman, obviously, but most of it, I'd say he was over Nijman about 80% of the game. Um, the guy played well. He came off the ball. He's a load. Yes, he got beat. Yes, he had two penalties, but it was a very impressive moment. So when you look at Green Bay right now, they really, they have the five, they have the five, how many linemen they got? They got five, you got Jenkins six, you got, Kelly seven, you got Bakhtiari eight. They got like eight guys right now who can play. Oh, Patrick is nine. They got everybody but Hanson who's totally unproven. So of their 10 old linemen, we kind of think nine can play. So that makes them kind of immune from injury, you know? All well, right, Nijman, let's Real quick though, on Nijman, um, yeah. like what's the future? for? I mean, did you see enough to suggest like, okay, this isn't just a one week 
um, SOS kind of start where he just saved the day. Like you said, he got help and it wasn't all pretty, but I mean, I think when everybody saw the injuries that green Bay was dealing with, you assume Nick Bosa was going to wreck this game and it was going to be disaster and it was anything, but uh, does he have a future? Like, could he be somebody they count on, you know, beyond just a one day game spot start down the road? I, I was going to compare him to that guy from Washington for a few years, that Ty Neshewski. Yeah, Nseki. N-S-E-H-K-E. Yeah, he's good. Um, and then he signed somewhere a year or two ago. He was in Buffalo. I, like, I think he's in Dallas now, right? Is he? Yeah. Okay. Pretty good player. Um, maybe Nijman's better than him. Nijman looks like he can play guard. He's 6'7", but he doesn't look it. He's thick, Tyler. <laughs> He comes off the ball with low pad level. Um, he's low in his stance. I think he could be a guard. I don't know how they're going to keep him after this tape gets out. I mean, Bakhtiari will be back. But, you know, if Billy Turner, who's playing surprisingly, shockingly well right now, uh, you know, he's getting up there too. But maybe they got Nijman at right tackle or they have a fill-in for Bakhtiari. I mean, this guy... This is a huge get right now. I and mean, hell, everybody's ripping Gudikins for how they didn't draft a receiver in the first round. They could probably use another weapon right about now. But look at everything he's done beyond that. Like, finding a player like this is, is remarkable. I mean, he, he all these little uh, nooks and crannies on the, on the roster, they, they've uncovered real talent that you need in a primetime moment. So, um, what a find. All right. The, um, you know... It's not like they have Buckner anymore in the middle of that San Francisco line, you know? And he was the guy who wrecked him with Boza in 2019 twice. They have okay players. Armstead's not, not Buckner, and the inside guys are okay. So the pressure totals, I mean, I liked all these players. Runyon gave half a pressure. It's pressure defined as sack, hurry, and knockdown, okay? Uh, Myers allowed two. Newman allowed one half. Turner, zero. The only bad runs, one for Nijman and one for Myers. Um, a really good performance. Let's just look. You know, Newman, I thought, had a slow start. He got beat inside by uh, uh, Zach Kerr uh, mm -hmm. on an inside play for two yards. Um, I mean, he lunged, got beat twice, but the ball was out. I mean, this offense protects these linemen and that ball was coming out yes uh sunday he got splattered by uh, armstead one time on a pull but again he was okay he, a winning performance you know dj jones their nose tackle he really humbled Corey lindsley in one of those 2019 games boy but myers uh myers hung in myers is on the ground you know he gets off balance at times uh, he had a, a premature snap. He got yelled at on fourth and one. I, I guess you could blame him. We'll get into that in the quarterback thing. Again, a winning performance. Runyon, you know, he he showed good movement. He blocked Warner on an early screen out in the, out in space. Um, he was up against Kinlaw, you know, a top twelve pick the other couple of years ago in the draft. He didn't back down. Um, the last series, you know. On, on the 25-yard pass to Adams starting out that thing. Uh, the the ex-Ram Echobomb came through on a stunt. 
And man, he barely stopped Ekebaum from getting to Rogers, but he did. He got the job done and he just barely did. Um, excuse me on that play. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then on one after that, Boza came on a TE stunt and again, Runyon stopped that stunt beautifully. And that enabled, I think the 12 yard, 13 yard pass to Adams. Runyon had two big, uh, two big blocks on that final series. Turner, what can I say? He faced pretty good players, D Ford, Samson Ekebaum and Arden Key. He took the outside away. Yeah, there are times Armstead would knock him off balance, but okay, he played okay. He played better than okay. He played very good. He pitched a shutout against against pretty good players. So that's the old line, Tyler. And Patrick is now on the bench, and we know he's ready to play, and he's a go-getter man, but he's deemed not good enough behind Runyon to play. And we're back. Good. <laughs> um, all right, Bob, what's next? All right, let's go to the QBs, four and a half footballs. Um, you know, they, were, they had a great game plan, and Rodgers executed this thing. He was calculating. He, he tries to control a game with his mind, and, and he did this. He got rid of that ball just, just fast before the rush could get there. Um, he was totally in charge. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's the new D coordinator. He, he blitzed five or more, 28.6%, kind of an average number. Uh, two six-man pressures included in there. But Rodgers pretty much handled it all. You know, one thing interesting, Tyler, when they did get to him, which was only he was down twice, but the two times he was down, one sack and one hit, you know, he just goes into that fetal position. Um, he is so smart with that. He does not expose himself to injury very seldom. And that's a, a good reason for his longevity. Now he got, he broke the collarbones on the scrambles member and he got a concussion in Detroit on another scramble, but in the pocket, he has not really been injured hardly at all. And that he's just smart, man. He covers the football with two arms. He knows when to say when, and it's over and he's down. Um, you know, they used a lot of a jet jet motion, maybe with three, four seconds left in the play clock or five. They did that 15 times this week, uh, only seven in week two and 11 times in week one. They're trying to influence those linebackers and trying to get everybody to reset on that 49er thing. I thought it was effective. I didn't add up all the gains on those jet sweep plays, but I think it was pretty good. Um, he was getting the ball out. He, they used a lot of two tight end formations again, to chip, um, third and six before the first touchdown, man, he eluded Boza escaped to his left, had another defender coming straight ahead and gun that ball at Adams at the one for a gain of 14 brilliant stuff. Okay. He had a couple bad misses. He squandered two timeouts himself in that second half. So the game comes down to 37 seconds left. Got to get 39 yards. He's got no timeouts. He's got no MBS, and he's got to get a field goal. He threw the first ball over 54. 
Uh, again, Runyon, a great job of protection that time. He gets that man down. He may have, may have held him. Rodgers hangs in that pocket the way he trusts his off offensive lineman now. One thing about Rodgers, he does trust his people to do the job. He always has been able to have great pocket presence. And he put that ball over Fred Warner, one of the fastest, best linebackers in the business. It was an amazing throw. I, again, I don't know what Ryans were doing allowing Devontae Adams to run gaily through his secondary. And then, uh, then a few plays later, he threw another ball, just kind of a nice flip. Again, he wasn't heavily covered, mm -hmm. and he got it done, and Crosby made the field goal. It's a great come-from-behind victory for Rodgers. Um, he had a delayed penalty. Uh, that's about it, Tyler. Four and a half footballs. That, that's such a good point, too. I can remember on the beat, even in um, you know 2011 was just – domination up until that playoff game but maybe it was 2012 into 2013 a little bit you could sense occasional frustration in the offensive line you know with with that propensity to keep a play alive you know Aaron, which is part of what has made Aaron Rodgers so so special and I mean yeah I mean a lot of times Mike McCarthy sending a play and he might not like that play might want to work outside the confines of that play make a little magic but I think a lot of those offensive linemen were like, dude, like, trust us, stay in the pocket, like, just kind of follow our lead and that play will be there. Um, you know, a lot, maybe a loss to the Giants comes to, I can't remember the exact game. There was one game where the frustration, I, I, you could feel it in that locker room. I don't think the offensive line talked to us all week. They kind of did a little mini boycott on us because they, <laughs> they, maybe they were kind of biting their own tongues. Um, but that was part of the reason, right? That, that trust just wasn't there. So what a, sign of growth you know at this point of his career if Aaron Rodgers really wants to play into his 40s follow Tom Brady's lead that is a huge step he had to take so if he's taken that step maybe people should start believing a little bit more that he can make this happen later into his career I'm going to interject this because it's fresh on my mind after doing this Favre story that appears tomorrow sure but Brady Rodgers and the whole gang Another reason for that trust in the offensive line is the rules, Tyler. Obviously. Oh, my God, yeah. Not only does he have a good line, but that's not the only reason he's standing in there because yeah. he just cannot get drilled. It just doesn't happen. This totally. game, forget passer ratings. It's a joke comparing it to guys of the past. It's an absolute joke. All these passer ratings are through the roof, and they should be. There's no fear in playing that position anymore. No, you're absolutely right. It's a different game. Um, there were so many moments. Again, I mean, Jair Alexander, that penalty on him when he hit Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. That was that, that's playing football. Like there's, but it happens every game. It happens every game. So if you're a quarterback, you can just kind of stand in that pocket. No, you're not gonna get hit that hard. You know, there, that fear isn't there. That's that's why far played in the golden age that the, the mid nineties, that was really when football was at its best. That's when football was really football. So it, I totally agree with you. That's a good, it point. was pretty good before that too, Tyler, young man. I wasn't alive. So I don't know. It was mayhem then Tyler. <laughs> well, you know, I've always been so ignorant when it comes to, uh, you know, old, old time football fifties and sixties. I think I did one of those top 10 shows on NFL network. And I was asked about Otto Graham and I was just like mocking him. This was probably four or five years ago. And I said something like, well, he's playing against guys that were like 
shoemakers and bakers and worked in steel mills as side jobs. Like this wasn't real football. I will say as I've lost hair, as I've gotten older, as I've had two kids, I respect the birth of football. And you know why I do, Bob? We haven't even talked about this. I finally read the book that you told me for years and years to read America's game, Michael McCambridge, who oh, yeah. endorsed your Super Bowl book, which is unbelievable. He's um, my man. It just taught me so much about, you know, really the birth of football as we know it in the 50s and 60s. And it's incredible to, to look back and see how tenuous it really was, how fragile the state of pro football really was. And it could have just gone one way or the other. Um, so I wish I could take back those words. I don't, I don't it is the right. greatest football book ever written, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm, I'm almost I mean, done with it. I want to read it a second, third time. It was an absolute honor to have Michael do the, uh, the forward or the, whatever, the beginning of that Super Bowl book. Okay, running backs. Uh, Aaron Jones, 46. A.J. Dillon, 18. Hill, zero. And DeGora played 17, kind of tight end, running back, sla uh, fullback slash. Dominique Daphne put on IR uh, 12 times this year, a season high in which they weren't, were in empty formation. Aaron Jones, who are the best all-purpose backs? Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. Are there um, one or two others, Tyler? I think you nailed it. I think that's it. And McCaffrey hasn't been able to stay healthy. This guy is in Aaron Jones and, or behind 12 and 17 shadow. This is a tremendous player. They have three weapons. Rodgers has two ultimate weapons at his disposal. Um, and Jones is obviously, they all help each other. They all, okay. Uh, he broke six tackles this week, a couple more than he's had in most weeks. His second effort, and that's what Kyle Shanahan referred to, he would not be pushed back. He was just springing forward. Um, instant acceleration, slashing, pounding through these holes, taking shots from uh, from Fred Warner and others. Um, just a really good player. Made these subtle cutbacks for big gains. He averaged, I don't know, 4.1. Total yardage in this game. He had 21 touches for 96 yards. Not, a, not great numbers. Um, it's like he shot out of a cannon. He took a bunch of snaps at wide receiver. They haven't used him there. Tyler, he can run routes on people. He can run routes on cornerbacks. <laughs> he can run almost the full route tree. Um, he failed to get a touchdown on third and four, though, on a flat pass against two cornerbacks. I ding him for that. Even though he got hit hard by both guys, he's still got to get that damn first down. He came up a yard short. So that's it on Jones. Dylan. Uh, oh, 3.0 Dylan, six carries, 18 <laughs> yards. Tyler. Oh, here we go. I think here we go. He looks 250 to me now. The weight's back up. Tyler, he does not run hard. Ooh, he really doesn't run hard. He is not an attack style guy. Um, uh, but he wasn't that way in college. He's more of a musher, a mutter, uh, a mass kind of a runner. What's the difference? Know. Really, though, that's hard for me to compute. What's the difference between being a mutter, masher, and a hard runner? 
can we think of any big backs over time who ran hard? Okay, Earl Campbell. Mm-hmm. Who are some other big men who just try to gore you and just destroy you? I wouldn't say Derrick Henry's like that. No. No, he's not. You know, he struggles on short yardage. He really does. You know, he kind of has to get ahead of speed. He's tall. And that's who Dylan, I mean, his measurables is all his uh, combine numbers. It's very similar to Henry. So that could be to your point. I got a big guy, Christian Okoye. He'd punish you for the old Chiefs. Unless Steve Atwater's coming after him, right? (laughs) (laughs) And Degora really, he wasn't as good as Daphne. So that's Bam Morris. A little Bam Morris coming at you. Bam Morris. I like that. I just trying to think of somebody random. Who was the guy for the chargers in the super bowl? They had a big Natron means. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love these big bruisers. There's, there's not a lot of them though. Like just destroyers that are huge. That's because nobody really wants them. Tyler, the game is changing. Tyler. Do you remember uh, Nick wanted him? Didn't he Tyler? Okay, go. He did. He did want him. Um. All right, we could go all day. All right, D line, uh, seventy snaps on the D. We got Kenny Clark, sixty-two. Uh, Dean Lowry, forty-four. Kingsley Kiki, forty-two. Tyler Lancaster, seventeen, and Mister T.J. Slayton had two. Leaving Clark off the stars was uh, was was tough to do. The guy had five pressures a one half tackle for loss played really well now you know mac the center alex mac certainly and he's 35 i think and he got after him um right away killed mac for minus three um he missed two tackles in this game because he was so far deep in the backfield he was just blowing people up and um but he just happened to miss or whatever. And then other people finished the guy off. Um, Brunskill, the right guard, was really overpowered by Clark. Just come, you know, he's only 6'2", comes in off the ball low, both arms extended, locks out into the Brunskill's chest and just walk him back. The guy was really kind of overwhelmed. Brunskill battled, but he wasn't strong enough to handle it. Uh, great first series by Clark. Kept walking people back. Uh, a tremendous performance. Okay. Dean Lowry had a, had a little pass rush. He had a knockdown. Uh, he was not good on the goal line. Dean gives you the same every week. Kingsley Kiki, again, he is, he is not playing well. He did not have a pressure. He's off to a, a really weak start this year. He's fallen a tad from favor. I mean, they're starting to give Lowry now some nickel snaps alongside Clark and Boy, that was Kiki's role virtually all last year. And then the two weeks, you know, he blew that lane integrity on the 26-yard scramble by Goff last week. And the coaches obviously saw that. Lancaster is doing some things. Now, he's a good athlete out of Northwestern. He doesn't look like it, but he timed and tested really well. He set up a sack with a the rip. He went by Alex Mack. He's got pretty quick feet. And uh, he helped on a third and one on a stop. Uh, he was instrumental in stopping Mr. Trey Sermon for no game. So Lancaster had a pretty good game. And uh, that's it for the D-line. Strikes me as a very poor man's Kyle Williams. You know what I mean? Kind of. Very poor man's <laughs> Poppers. Homeless man. <laughs> Even if you're a homeless man's Kyle Williams, you're still pretty good. 
no doubt. Yeah. Hey, that was okay. a nice play by Dean Lowry, though. That little spin move, and then he smashed uh, Garoppolo late. Um, yep. So, yeah, he, yep. like you said, he kind of is the same player. We can, we All right, got. let's go to the outside backers. Uh, Zedarius is on injured reserve. You got Preston Smith, 5'7". Rashawn Gary, 51. Mr. Garvin had 20. And Mr. Rivers had 13. Okay, Gary had uh, three and a half pressures. Preston had two. Garvin had one and a half. And... Um, that was it. Okay, Gary. He was only on his individual rushes, hmm. single block 25 times and double team four times, 13.8%. He should have done more damage against the right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, where he was matched up this whole game. Um, didn't really get it done. He's a high energy player. There's no question about that. It, it's kind of mechanical what you see his rush. He does not have a full uh, arsenal yet in his third year. That energy, you know, he gets cut by Sermon, bounces up, piles on for, uh, well, I think should be a, a partial sack on Garoppolo. The sack went to 91. He was knocked down on the play. He should, that's going to, that sack credit's going to have to be changed, I think. Um Preston Smith, you know, he did some good job setting the edge. You know, against that run game, that outside zone, you got to get up the field about three yards and get leverage and turn that ball inside. And Smith did a lot of good things. He's playing pretty well, Tyler. His rush isn't great, but he was up against tremendous tackle, Trent Williams. Uh, the one knockdown he had, um, he was unblocked. Garvin has had two good games in a row, and that's got to really cheer them right now. Um, he was unblocked and he had a knockdown that caused an interception, but, uh, but he was okay. He got mauled by Williams once on a run for 16, but I kind of like the guy right now. Uh, Rivers was just kind of a guy. So that's it there. Now let's go inside. We got Campbell played all 70 snaps to Andre Campbell. Barnes played 10, suffered a concussion, sat out the rest of the game. So then they had to play Oren Burks, 25, and Ty Summers got off the bench for the first time this year and played 20. Campbell continues to be an interesting guy. You know, he makes pretty good decisions on run-throughs, Tyler. I mean, those inside backers, if you run through, you better make that play. And in these cases, I thought he did pretty well. He got Samuel twice on run-throughs. He was blocked forever by... Uh, by Ayuk on a game for nine, which wasn't good. Uh, he dropped an interception I thought he should have had. Um, but he just kind of gets guys down. He's not a big hitter. He's more of a flow guy, a move guy. Uh, he's not going to blow you up. But um, he's not a blood and guts type, but that's really not the game nowadays. He made a good fumble recovery. He's just kind of running around. He looks like he's okay in coverage. He's all right. Barnes, you know, he was exposed as, as a slip, step slow wide one time, suffered the concussion. That's a blow. Oren Burks, you know, he's not very good with his hands. They played him almost as an outside backer in a 4-3 at times. He also played as a, a dime linebacker in the 4-1, a 4-2, whatever you want to call it. So 
he was out of out of his gap on a 16 yard run. Um, he was late on a touchdown. He got half a half a sack on a uh, pressure. Boy, I'm struggling looking at these notes, Tyler. Uh, the writing the writing slips as well. Um, oh, my penmanship was, is just awful at this point of life. Can't even read this here. Okay. <laughs> um, Green Bay, by the way, blitzed uh, Joe Barry 19.2% five or more. Again, he did not send more than five. Ty Summers came in. He was not very tight in coverage, not very good there. Um, he played okay. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. The defense missed 11 tackles. I thought seven by the DBs, which we'll get to next. So that's it on the uh, on the linebackers, Tyler. You know what impressed me, Bob? I mean, just watching San Francisco these last two-plus years, that running game, it's just – it's a machine. It doesn't matter who's back there. It doesn't really matter what players are on the field. They're, they're, they're playing downhill, and they're getting, they're getting wide. They're getting big men moving downhill, and then boom, one cut – and that player is gone. I mean, look no further than the NFC championship game, right? Raheem Moster just blew it up most yards ever in that game. So um, the fact that they were able, I'm, Trey Sermon's still a high draft pick. They, they still have a lot of good players on that offensive line. And you still have Kyle Shanahan pushing the buttons. This is about as good as the, the Packers defense has looked in a while, but I'll say this, like it's about as physical and as tough as they've been up front on both sides of the ball since when i'd love to hear what you think because you've written this column maybe more than once but in january the this last decade it seems like the packers just would get soft under mccarthy even a bit under Lafleur. they get to that point whether it's seattle whether it's atlanta whether it's san francisco and they just get shoved around bullied um they weren't bullied this game they did most of the bullying themselves so you know, maybe more than anything, that that's the takeaway from this game. The Packers pushed the team around, and they pushed the team around that was pretty damn good. Yep, good point, Tyler. They got pushed around themselves two weeks ago, and they made amends for it in this one, you know, really. Isn't that remarkable? Two weeks ago, they get blasted, embarrassed. I mean, shoved around. The, the, we're thinking red flags all over the offensive line. And it's, and I know it sounds a cliche. It is a week-to-week league it really is things change fast and you know we're not the only ones who don't know anything they don't know anything really i mean these the gms and the scouts they can't predict these games you just don't know about these teams the league is very close all right dbs alexander played all 70 uh stokes played all 70 guy played eight snaps in week one then 44 and now 70 sullivan the nickel played 44 uh that's it King was uh, ill, added to the injury report on Sunday, I believe it was, did not play. Safety, Savage and Amos played all 70. Black played 13. Scott continues to be injured. Um, you know, with King out, he would have been, well, he, we assume he still, still would have started. And then he would have moved inside in nickel and Stokes would have played up right outside. Mm-hmm. Um so Stokes played right outside. Sullivan was back in the nickel. But, you know, it was interesting. Nobody's really thrown at Alexander for about a year now. 
They sure threw at him here this week. That's because Stokes is over on that other side. And they, they, they saw Stokes on tape. They felt him early in this game that he was going to be on people. And they figured, well, we might as well throw it at Alexander. Stokes is almost as good as him. Alexander did not play a good game. Uh, he got attacked. Uh, completions all over the place. He had a couple breakups. But uh, on the touchdown, it was a corner stop route over there to Ayuk. He was too deep. He didn't, he didn't challenge over in that thing. I mean, he's got to get after that player. Yeah. You know, when you're a great player, you got to, you got to jump with something like that and get after it. You know, I, I think he thought the guy was going to go on a slant or something, but um, did not play well. He had a roughing the passer penalty on a, a blitz. I don't even know. I think he just went on his own. I think he did just like he had that safety a couple of years ago. Um, he had a tough game. Uh, took him 24 yards to get Kittle down on that uh, on that 39 yard jaunt. But I'll tell you one thing: Alexander does learn. Two years ago, Tyler, in that Niner game in Week Game 11, San Francisco 37, Green Bay 8, Kittle uh, ran a deep corner post route for a 61 yard touchdown. And he ended up catching the ball in the sector where Jair Alexander mm -hmm. should have fallen back and taken it away. Instead, he just stayed over on his side of the field, even though there was nobody over there. Well, he learned on this bomb to Kittle. Kittle actually had a step on Stokes. Again, it's almost an identical play. But Alexander, rather than just cover grass, he decided to look for work. And he went way over showing his great speed went way over behind Kittle. The ball was overthrown by Jimmy and made that pick in his hands. It was a fantastic play. So let's not be too hard on Alexander when you make a rundown interception like that. He really learned from that thing two years or two years earlier. That's 22 months ago. And that was a heck of a play. All right. Over on the other side, Stokes. Um, he had two interference calls. You could argue with one of them. He got two of them for, what, about 40 yards. He challenged people. He, uh, look at my notes. Um, you know, he was sticky. He was playing to his help. Um, he could have made a better force on the Lance touchdown. He made a terrific breakup on a late, uh, on a late corner route to sign, um, 19 mm -hmm. Debo Samuel impressive a good a good opening start for him Sullivan you know he made a third and six breakup early I thought he was rerouting and jamming some guys in the, in the bump zone that was impressive but then he got burned by uh the longest play of the day he got burned by that 39 yarder to the tight end uh Kittle um Missed the tackle on Kittle at the end of the game over on the sideline on a 12-yarder. Uh, had a holding penalty. So he was up and down. And that's it at corner. So we don't know what's going to happen with King this week. Let me ask you this, Bob, for a little historical perspective. Um, the Packers' first-round cornerbacks, think back to Antoine Edwards, Ahmad Carroll. You know, Pat Lee was a second-rounder. Um, and obviously they've taken up or De Demarius Randall safety corner kind of guy, Quentin Rollins corner. I mean, they've 
Red Kevin Vincent. King was a second rounder. They they've really and then obviously they hit on Alexander in 18, but they've missed on a lot of high picks at cornerback over the years. Is that something you could see like right away? I feel like that position, you're out there on an island, like you're you're gonna find out if a guy can hang or not pretty soon. Did you know with those guys where their careers are gonna go early on? Because early on with Stokes, like you said, it's very, very early on, but he battled. There's a lot to like. Um, not asking you to uh, forecast his his future, but with those other guys, like could could you tell like Ahmad Carroll's getting burnt like like toast here? Like he's not good. He's not gonna hack it. I try not to have those thoughts when I was on the beat that much, Tyler. You know, I had all those scouts comments always on my brain from the pre-draft, and they, I would I'd be weighing them every time I'd see a guy. I'd be thinking of all that stuff, and I would reread those remarks, and. Um, so there'd be good and bad generally on, um, on every corner. And I would just try to just try to wait. And I wanted yeah. to wait before really making any kind of a judgment. Um, that's just the way I was. I was just trying to be real uh, calculating a little bit on that. Sorry, T, but I hear you. If, if he delivers, I mean, this is exactly what they need. I mean, really, you seem to like King more than most, but those mistakes have been pretty glaring and if they can get a corner opposite Alexander, um, Hey, look in the division, man, the Vikings are throwing the ball all over the place. Kirk cousins. I was, might've been a little quick kind of writing him off. He, he looks really good against Seattle. Um, they're going to need, they're going to need Stokes in the, in that game. Right. The missed tackles here, seven Sullivan had two Amos had two and Savage had three. Um, okay. It's safety. Amos, he's got to make that play on Lance on that fourth down touchdown. I mean, he's got to come, he's got to recognize it and he's got to get, get a, I mean, the lineman Mac should not have been able to get to him. He's got to react and make the play. And he didn't, um, he got worked again on the touchdown pass to, uh, um, Jews Dick at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was man coverage. He was so far off. There's only 12 yards to go. He's so far off because of his athletic limitations that he couldn't even make the tackle. He missed the tackle at the four, and then the guy ran over black. Um, They've got to hide him. And I know he makes dirty, thankless hits, and he's appreciated for that, and that's why he's in there. But people are going to continue to try to match up on him. Savage. Uh, well, we saw him this week. Uh, Tyler, people are going to play action this guy deep. He he wants to get nosy. He he's impatient. He wants to get into the action, and I I get that. But when you're you when you're playing deep, which he is most of the time, you've got to stay back. And you watch Roethlisberger will be trying to play action him deep this week. Um. He, he, he is active. He will, he was headhunting in this game. He does play high. He will hit. He had a, a tough breakup against Samuel. He had a tackle for loss. So that's savage. And black's really a non-entity. He took a bad angle on the 39 yard bomb to Kittle. And then he got run over on the goal line. So that's the, uh, that's the DBs. All right. Now the kickers, huh? The kickers got a five Tyler. This is so rare, but what are you going to say? 
I mean, Crosby, he hits from 54 uh, right off the bat. Right hash, the ball was hit straight. He hits from 38 from the left hash. Again, the ball was hit straight. And he hits from 51 to win the game, damn game after being iced from the left hash. He hits that one straight. You know, for all the years Crosby's been in this thing, 15 years, he has had very few game-winning deals like this. Mm. He and I used to laugh about it. There just haven't been that many. The Packers have routed people, and they're just just by circumstance and chance. He just hasn't. His kickoffs, six of them, he averaged 67.0, 4.13. You know, when that guy had that 68-yard kickoff return, there was Crosby, right? Yeah. He refused playing the angles, playing it smart, refused to give the, the outside. He, guys running down the sideline. He wouldn't let him go out into the ma- main part of the field, but yet he was giving up yardage, but yet he knew if the guy tried to stay on the sideline, he would push him out of bounds. That's exactly what happened. Uh, the guy's a tremendous performer. What a kicker. What a draft pick. Um, Ted Thompson did that in the sixth round out of Colorado in 07. He's a great player. Boy, this punter, this uh, Bojo Bajorquez, three punts, 55, 4.7, 4.7.0, 4.75 hang. All three of them were tight to that right sideline, Tyler. <clears throat> they wanted direction. At this point, he is so much better than, than the Scott guy who used to punt into the middle of the field and he was erratic. This kid is hitting the ball. He's been unreal. So that's the kickers. We got to talk about Mason Crosby for a second, Bob. Um, I can remember, I just pulled it up here as well. I I wrote a feature on him in the 2013 season. So remember Mm -hmm. it was 2012 that Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson, the Packers could have easily just washed their hands. He was the worst kicker in the league in 2012. 63.6% that season. So what do they do that off season? They bring in Giorgio Tavecchio. I remember that watching that kicking battle, all training camp. Giorgio was good. Like he might've even made more of his kicks than Crosby. Didn't have as strong of a leg as Crosby, obviously, but he really pushed them day to day. And that was something the Packers just didn't do. They never really brought in competition for Mason Crosby, but obviously in 2013, um, God, he was, he was money. Um, at the time I wrote this story, it was 13 games in. He was 29 to 33, 88%. But he really broke down uh, how he was able to bust through that because kickers, so mental. I mean, it, it really is. You can look at the best kickers in NFL history. I mean, Mike Vanderjack at one point was the best, and then he shanks that kick. <laughs> Peyton Manning calls him an idiot. His career is over. I mean, you could be one of the best kickers in the league, and your career might be done just like that. You get inside your own head. But I thought it was really interesting how, you know, he did little things like he wrote messages to himself, be smooth, be consistent, have a good tempo. Don't go too quick to get that in the psyche. He leaned on family. He didn't really pay attention to the tweets and fans coming at him. But I think the number one reason is that he was able to kind of bust out of it. A lot of kickers, and you know this better than me, Bob, but they try to like let go, right? They try to reach the state of, peace and zen and tranquility and just kind of like getting in your own like mason crosby wants that intensity he said he wants the pressure that comes with this possession he wants to own it he wants you know if it's a kick with everything on the line he wants to wrap his brain around that moment uh, this is 2013 he said quote i love that intense competition 
I love that focus of going out to compete and make kicks and being a part of this team goes back to what we said, I think on our first show, like he wants to be more than just the stereotypical kicker off to the side. He views himself as part of the team and you can see it. You can feel it in those moments. He just the body language. I mean, he can't wait to get out there to kick a 50 plus yarder with everything on the line. Um, It's, it's kudos. Hey, I've criticized Mike McCarthy for a lot. Um, for, for them to stick with Mason Crosby at that point of his career won the Green Bay Packers a hell of a lot of football games. That's for sure. Let me mention this little story. You know, I'm looking to get the final average on his kickoff distance and his average hang time on all his kickoffs. And I average that at the end of the year. Well, it's a little tough when he sometimes boots them. You know, I got to estimate if he hits one in the crowd, I got to estimate maybe if it's 86 or 87, you know, it's a little tough, but okay. I try to do the best I can, but then sometimes he would hit balls that I couldn't tell whether it was a miss hit or a squib. Okay. So I would have this in my notebook after watching the tape and this went on for years with Mason and I, I'd go up to him in the locker room and it would just 15 seconds. Yeah. I'd say, okay, remember the ball in the second quarter, Mason? Did you miss it? He said, no, or a squib. He said, no, I missed hit that, Bob. And I took it. This guy was <laughs> – I trusted him implicitly. No, I was squibbing that, Bob. There was no miss hit. That would be the next one, you know. Yeah, that was a miss hit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a squib, I wouldn't count that in the averages because he's not trying to hit it deep. But a miss hit he was, he got dinged on that. He knew exactly what I was doing. and <laughs> He's a great guy. He, okay. he really yeah. is. I can remember being an yeah. intern back when he first came into the league and uh, got, I think I was in college. We talked for an hour on the phone for something at Packer Report. Maybe it was, but really, he'll give you the time of day. Oh yeah. He'll drop everything and talk for 30, 40 minutes <laughs> on the phone in the locker room, explain things as well as anybody in that locker room. Uh, definitely a kicker you want on your side and he's going to be a weapon. Uh, kickers and punters do like to talk. They're always available to chat. Long snappers too. They've always been fun. I had problems with one kick, one punter, one specialist, really, Mr. Brian Barker. Ooh, Ooh what happened there? Not, he did not like me, Tyler. He <laughs> laughed. He 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 read my stuff, the weekly stuff, and he wanted to quibble about everything. He'd call me over. He got hot. He was mad about, you know, arguing about directional and arguing about out of bounds and this and that. <laughs> he was there for less than one full season. All right. <laughs> Mr. Brian Barker, the ex Washington player. Oh my I gosh. Think. Were you, All so right. you weren't terrified for your life like you were back no, in the on that 80s? One I, <laughs> that one I was okay. Hunters don't inflict the same <laughs> on a field. All right. Special teams. Um, Hunter Bradley, he had six snaps. It's hard to tell. I think he had, I couldn't tell on four of them. He had one, uh, one, the laces had to be spun by Bojo and one, he had perfect laces. Um, the gunners were Taylor and Yudum and the holdups were John Charles and Taylor. Uh, John Charles, his lack of speed was evident. Uh, trying to catch up on the, to gunners on when he was holding up. Uh, we knew that coming out of the draft. Uh, Amari Rogers momentarily bobbled a 56 yard fair punt, which he made a fair catch on. 
He's semi shaky back there right now. All right, the 68-yard kickoff return that really got the uh, got the Niners turned around. That was by Mr. Trenton Cannon, number 49. Uh, Ty Summers kind of got blown up. Isaiah McDuffie got double teamed, and then Black and Burks they got single block. They got to get off those blocks. And um, 32 Kylan Hill really penetrated too deep before he came back to the ball. 60 yard, 68 yard return. Uh, the most snaps were by Burks and Yedem, each with 21. And uh, that's it for the rating, Tyler. Beautifully done. As always, Bob McGinn rating the Packers. Um, yeah, what do you take from this? Is this is this a game, a win that's going to springboard this team? I don't think it's going to change in a hurry in this league, but, boy, there was a lot of emotion poured into that game in Santa Clara. You could you could see it on the field. Everybody's spilling out of the field. Players going nuts. Uh, what, what does this win mean? Like, what, what does it really mean to you? When they lost that game, they'd be tied with the Lions. And had the Lions won that game on that last kick, they'd be three of them at one and two. Now they're at two and one. They're a game ahead. Um, they're just a really good team. And they were 13-3 and three the last two years for a reason. They had all this uh, distraction and nasty stuff in the offseason. They were terrible on opening day. They were okay on the second game, and they were terrific. Uh, so they've had one of each so far. and. They have a very, very tough schedule ahead. They do. They do. You know what, though, um, in that division, the but the Bears are a mess. Um, the, the Lions, you got to love to compete. Like, that was – they're fighting. Watching that Ravens game. They're, 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 they're obviously a long – they got a long road ahead talent-wise. The Vikings have talent. We'll see if they can put it together. They could easily be 3-0. and But within the division, I, if you're Green Bay and you're playing like that, there's nobody that you're that concerned about. Right. So they should go six and zero in the division, which is six. How many more they've got to get? They got to go six. So then there's 11 more games. They can go six and five in that. Can't they? Oh. It gives them 12 and five. Of course. Sure. Yep. If not more. Okay. That's it. Tyler there. Shall we, Bob? Everybody's favorite yeah, part of the show. McGinn's memories. Memories. I don't know what's about to happen. Usually you give me a little a little teaser here. So uh, I'm pretty excited for this, Bob. We're going to have two really quick. The first one is going to be the shorter one. On November 8th, 19th, well, when I saw the kick by Tucker, it just immediately drew me back to where I was on the Tom Dempsey kick. November 8th, 1970. I'm a freshman at the University of Michigan. Been there two months living in West Quadrangle. Everybody called it West Quad. We were quaddies. It was the worst dorm on campus, built in about 1925. It was a real pit, okay? <laughs> and I was in West Quad Adams, and down below in the basement in West Quad Adams, they had a TV set. And it was like one of those big fat consoles, maybe only 22 inches, but in a big wood console and somebody had stuck it on the there were rabbit ears and somebody had stuck it on an old wood desk that used to be in each everybody's room and then there was just a bunch of crummy wood chairs in this like cellar room so I was studying or something and I came down there middle of the fourth quarter that day to watch the end of the Lions Saints game okay and uh 
there's about 10, 15 guys in there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Dempsey comes out with the club foot, right? Kicking it conventionally. Tom Fears had just been fired as the Saints coach, and Mr. J.D. Roberts was taken over his first game. It was at Tulane Stadium, which hosted the Super Bowl that year or the next year. I don't know. Uh, and he made a 63-yarder. Wow. Guys, were a couple chairs were thrown over. Everybody had their jaws open. I mean, it was stunning. I could hardly see it on this black and white tube. You know, it was just an awful thing, but I'll never forget it. It was a hot day. Uh, they never won another game that year. The Saints finished 2-11-1 in their fourth year of their existence. The Lions went 10-4, and four, but they lost that baby 19-17, to 17, okay? How would you describe his foot for people who may not know? Well, he had an old kicking shoe on, but he had a, those the toes. Everybody had that square toe, mm-hmm. but he had a club foot, so it was real small on that kicking foot. Yeah. You know, the guy kicked for a long time, Tyler. He, he's from a, he's a Milwaukee native. Um, he, he was a draft pick. I that was his, hear, second, yeah. his second year. He kicked for 11 years. He made the Pro Bowl his rookie year. Lifetime field goal, 6-1-6. Extra point, 8-9-4 lifetime. Thomas John Dempsey passed away 6-2-255. He was a big one. You know, he finished right, 61.6% and had himself a nice career. It's it's crazy yeah. how the uh, expectations for kickers have, has changed. But the one I want to discuss most occurred on September 22, 1991. And this, people, is what happens when you don't have a left tackle. So let's, the memories of Yash Nijman, especially against Nick Boza. Well, the pack was going down under Lindy and Fani. They were going down to Miami that year. Uh, Joe Robbie Stadium, and the temperature, Tyler. This is on was eighty six degrees with humidity at seventy five percent. Okay, Dominic Gentili, the trainer, told me after that he had never had more problems with heat than they did that Sunday. He estimated ten IVs. Wow. Virgil Knight, the strength coach, said when he was at Auburn, they had twenty IVs in situations like this. Tight end Jackie Harris was so messed up. Was I was walking out of the locker room 75 minutes after the final gun. Harris had to be carried from the trainer's room and the p- club personnel had to get him dressed. So this is the heat we're on. The Packers lost this game in crazy fashion, 16 to 13. Marino got him at the end. That's the day Mikowski fumbled in the end zone. And one of the Upers, Chuck Klingbile, a Michigan Tech nose tackle, hopped on in the end zone for a touchdown. But anyway, let's get to the issue at hand. Ken Rutgers, the Packers' outstanding left tackle, had a hammy, could not play. So next up, next man up, Mr. Scott Jones. 12th round pick of the Bengals in 89 out of UW, University of Washington. Scott was an ex-tight end. He played one year of a left tackle at Washington, got drafted, played for some for the Bengals, played some for the Jets, And now he's on the Packers, third team, okay? So Scotty is up against his his foe in this game was defensive end Jeff Cross, C-R-O-S-S. He was a pro bowler and a really good player, and I know the pack was petrified. All right, so how did Scott's debut go? You can't even believe this, Tyler. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
The first series ended on a punt. Jones looks, I'm reading my story, looks shaky on the first two passes. Then he cost uh, the Packers a 21-yard reception by Charles Wilson with an illegal hands to the face penalty against Cross. On the second series, he was penalized for a false start, then got beat for a sack by Cross on third down, a spin move. Now, six plays into the third possession, um, he was running downfield on a 23-yard completion to Wilson, and he quit. He walked off. He took a powder. So I interviewed Scott after the game, and the other players in this locker room, Tyler, after this heat and this defeat, they were just pissed. But I had to go talk to Jones. So this is like <clears throat> Rich Moran and Hallstrom and all these guys were just kind of standing around and they're listening to me talk to Scott Jones. By the way, Billy Art, a backup guard, had to play left tackle the rest of the game, actually did pretty well. So here's Jones's explanation. I ran downfield and I had nothing left. I was spent. Charlie, that's Davis, O-line coach, could see it. Cross is good, but I played against better. I've had bad games before. This one didn't come at a good time. This was my first start. You want to play well. It just didn't happen. Um, so then Ard played, and Ard was this veteran guard, a great guy who had started in the Super Bowl at guard for the Giants. Um, Ard was undersized. He's barely 6'2", but he neutralized Cross the rest of the game. Ard said, I was a Band-Aid. <laughs> Thank God the hole wasn't that big because I couldn't be a tourniquet. Uh, <laughs> what a quote <laughs> i'd be more happy if we won but i'm happy i gave the effort but they pay me a lot of money to do that to me a lot of guys can do that ard said that he played himself in a near exhaustion thank god the sun wasn't out because i was sucking air as it was rutgers had tried to warm up and couldn't all right so two days later and i knew this was coming they cut Scott Jones's ass. <laughs> Two days later, they oh. sent him home. And never to be heard from again. Did he ever play? Did he pop up anywhere? I looked on Pro Football Reference, and I don't believe he was ever signed again. I was the whole league knew that he quit yeah. on his team on the road in Heat in Miami in the middle of a series. He quit in the middle he of a quit. series. Not like yeah. halftime. Not the, not a timeout. I swear, Campen was the center. If you go up to Campen, Moran, Hallstrom, Ard, they would remember this, and they would just still go absolutely – they still probably mad 30 years later at Scott Jones. So how does that pack, go down, though? Because they got to fly back to Wisconsin. So he just he, – No doubt. I mean, he's just I hanging out with the guys that. after? like. So Monday, I looked in my coverage um, Monday. There was no discussion of it. And then Tuesday, the players' day off, and – he got the pink slip. So how did the pack respond on the roster? They activated tackle Lewis Cheek from injured reserve. And Lewis Cheek, the old eagle, played a little bit. So Scott Jones. So just listen, this Nijman thing, let's not, let's not underappreciate what Nijman did because all hell can break loose when you're playing a backup left tackle on the road. Well said. That's, that's remarkable. I mean, it really does put it into perspective and – God, I just want to talk to uh, those Packers on that team, see what they really thought. Like, Vontae Davis in Buffalo is one thing. Like, he quit, and that was insane, and he's talked about it for the fact. But 
down in that heat, the middle of a series on the offensive line. Unbelievable. Just kind of goes to show where the Packers really were pre-1992. I mean, he had guys doing stuff like this. Brett Favre comes in, you have Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren, everything changes, and you get into uh, all of that this week with your first McGinn Files. There's the headline in the, on the game story on uh, in the journal. Can you read that, Tyler? Could have, should have, but didn't. Oh, my gosh. That was this about the symbol for 25 years, 23 years, wasn't it? really was and then it changed and yep it's been three decades since of winning (laughs) it's and i know i keep saying this but it's true i hope the young generation by hearing some of these stories can remember what it was like and to appreciate really what they have now no doubt about it. I think the running joke with locals is they, they call it entitled town. Like that generation ah. feels very entitled because it's been division championships, Super Bowl expectations year to year to year. You know, when I moved from the Packers beat to the Bills beat, you know, when I came back home to Buffalo in 2015, you could really, I mean, the fan bases are so different, you know, and in Green Bay, that ex- expectation is, is always sky high. And it was like, they'd lose to San Francisco in the playoffs and it was, you know, get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy, fire the the coordinator, fire the coaches. It's, and I, I love that about green Bay. I like, I love that the expectations were that high because it felt like as a beat writer, I mean, you had to feed the beast every day because that's what they d- want. That's what they deserve. And the bills fan base is, is equally rabid, but it was at that point, you know, in, in the throes of a, 17 18 year playoff drought was just looking for any shred of hope you know what i mean like tyrod taylor busted onto the scene and won the quarterback battle over matt castle and ej Manuel that summer you know he he had a little scramble against the panthers in the preseason the stadium went nuts like they're ready to anoint this guy like there's any any side of hope um is magnified and it was it was really cool to kind of compare the two and still compare the two because now the bills are trying to get to that place. Now the expectations are, are getting there where they are thinking Super Bowl. So um, can't wait for everybody to read this. Uh, go along to Check it out. Part one drops Wednesday morning, part two, Thursday. Um, I think everybody's really going to enjoy this, Bob. And, and thank you for taking the time to write this, to chat with Brett at length, all the scouts. Don't get too much away here, but it's, it's a black hole. Thank you.